We are continuing our series of studies on the Beatitudes and uh, this evening we are looking at Beatitude number uh, 3, verse 5 of chapter 5 of Matthew's Gospel, which says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now, if you notice uh, the statements that Jesus makes... uh, are oftentimes in these uh, Beatitudes uh, quite uh, difficult to understand and also at times you know, it is like a paradox. Okay? For example, in this particular uh, Beatitude when it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It is quite contrary to what the people of the world will believe in. People of the world will think that if you are meek, you will actually be... you know trodden over, you would not get anything here on life. But Jesus says, if you are meek, you will inherit the earth. So, we are going to look at you know, this uh, now Beatitudes and you know, split it up and understand what meekness is, what uh, uh, inheriting the earth is all about, and how we can develop meekness in our lives. But remember, meekness is not weakness. And that's the title of our Uh, study on this beatitude this evening. Meekness is not weakness. So this uh, beatitude number three is a difficult statement for us to understand because the people of the world today try and uh, get their success in life through power, through positions, through um, praise of people, different, different things that they try to get their success in life from. But for the believer, for the Christian, when Jesus says, if you really want to inherit the earth, then the key is not the way of the world. The scripture tells us in James chapter 1 and verse 21, receive with meekness the engrafted word. So this word meekness is not just spoken of by Jesus in the Beatitudes, other gospel, other writers also mention about this, like in this passage in James chapter 1 and verse 21, which speaks about receive with meekness the engrafted word. Or if you look at another fruit of the Spirit, you'll also find that meekness is one of those fruit that is mentioned over there. When it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Now, we mentioned last time that each of these uh, Beatitudes are in a progressive stage. There's a particular order that Jesus has put this in. And as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones mentions, a man can never be meek unless he is poor in spirit. A man can never be meek unless he has seen himself as a wild sinner when he has mourned for sin in his life. In other words, the first two Beatitudes must be applied in our lives before this third one will make sense and also would be able to uh, be applied in our lives. Now, the reason why we have problem with this word meekness is oftentimes you know, we think you know, it rhymes with weakness, so that's what the word meekness is all about. But no, when the Bible speaks about blessed are the meek, it speaks about individuals like Jesus who had power and strength in control. When Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11 and verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am 
meek and lowly in heart. I am meek and lowly in heart. Remember, meekness is not weakness, but meekness is power under control. It is power under control. What does it mean like you know, to say that meekness is power under control? From our side, we may say, yes, Anna, I am a sinner. We mourn over sin in our lives. But when somebody else looks at us and calls ourselves a sinner, how would we respond to that? That is what will determine whether we are in control or we are not in control. <laughs> okay. So Dr. Lloyd-Jones again puts it across this way. He says, meekness is essentially a true view of oneself. Is essentially a true view of oneself. <laughs> Looking at yourself, how God sees you. As a result, you're not bothered about how people are viewing you. Your whole focus is if God looks at you and considers you as individual who has been accepted by God, then you are not going to be fretting over how other people will respond. Remember this passage, you know, this beatitude is also found in Psalm 37, where the whole psalm is speaking, starting off saying, fret not yourself because of the wicked, and then it goes on and says, the meek shall possess the land. Fret not yourself uh, like the wicked, you know, uh, when you look at what the wicked are doing and they are prospering, don't fret, you know, don't be upset. But remember, the meek will inherit. So, the Psalm 37 is all speaking about commit your way to God, trust in God. So, if you are looking at how God views you and your relationship with Him, then that is meekness and the Lord says you will definitely inherit the earth. Secondly, meekness was a familiar word in Jesus' day. Okay. Now today when we use the word meekness, we have different understandings, but meekness was a familiar word in Jesus' time. Number one, it was used to describe a soothing medicine. It was used to describe a soothing medicine. Doctors gave patients who wrestled with a fever medication to quiet them down and to relieve their high temperature so that they could sleep. So the meekness, you know, the same word has been used to describe something that would be soothing, something that would relieve a fever, uh, a fever, something that would make you feel better when you are ill. That's the word that was used for meekness. Secondly, sailors also use this word to describe a gentle breeze, to gent uh, describe a gentle breeze. When the ship is sailing and then you have the cool breeze blowing, it is refreshing. So that's the word for the meekness. So meekness is a healing word. Meekness is also a word that brings refreshment. Thirdly, it was also used to describe a colt or a young one of a horse that has been broken. Horse has power, but if it has to be in a, uh, driven you know, properly, it has to be broken. It has to be taught in that sense of the term. So these three word meanings gives, you know, gives us an understanding of what meekness is all about. It is something that is soothing. It is something that is refreshing. It is something that is 
powerful. And as a result, when we are asking ourselves, what is this meekness, we must not feel diffident and say, I don't want to be meek, but rather look at the scripture, understand meekness in its original context, in the biblical context, and how we can apply it in our life. So let's look at what the meaning of the word meekness in Greek is all about. The Greek word is pros, and it means gentle, humble, considerate, and courteous. This is the root word meaning of the word in, a, in Greek. So it describes a person who is of a quiet, gentle spirit in opposition to the proud and the supercilious. Now, what do you mean by a quiet, gentle spirit? Remember, in English we use the word gentleman, isn't it? That is what this word is all about. Now, of course, today, you know, when we speak about a gentleman, we may have different understandings. But here, when you're speaking about one who is a, a gentleman, it means one who is quiet, gentle, good behavior. That is what the word meekness is all about. Who are not proud, but who have a quiet and a meek spirit. Secondly, meekness and gentleness also implies self-control. It also implies an individual who is in control of himself. Aristotle explained that it is the mean uh, or a balance between excessive anger and excessive angerlessness. In other words, an individual who is able to balance his anger. It doesn't mean that he never gets angry, but he gets married for the, gets uh, angry for the right reasons. But also, he is able to make sure that he doesn't get anger, his anger does not get out of control. So, Aristotle describes you know, a meek person as a one who is angry at the right occasion, with the right people, at the right moment, for the right length of time. That is what meekness is all about. Okay? The book of Proverbs says, Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. And that is what power under control is all about. So an individual is able to be angry about right things, but he doesn't allow his anger to get out of control. He has full self-control. That is what meekness is all about. <laughs> okay? So William Barclay and I explains this uh, particular beatitude this way and says, Blessed is the man who is always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. Always angry at the right time and never angry at the wrong time. In other words, a selfish anger is always considered a sin, whereas a selfless anger is one from a meek individual. Thirdly, it also means those who know how to behave. It means how to behave. It is used of you know, animals that have been domesticated. And by extension of this word, it would mean an individual who is well-behaved. That's where we get the gentleman from. So that's what meekness is about. But biblically, the fourth one we find that it's a person who has a trusting attitude before God. 
a person who has a trusting attitude before God. That's why in Psalm 37, it speaks about trust in the Lord. Don't fret yourself like the evil doers. Relax. Recognize that God is the one who is in control. It is a characteristic of an individual who is able to bow low before God in order that he may be able to stand high before other men. Now, that is what meekness is all about. And it comes at the end in Psalm 37 of a whole list of commands, if you were to say, of why we should trust God. And now look at some of the verses in Psalm 37. Verse 3 to 7 says, Trust in the Lord, do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him. He will make your righteousness shine. Be still before God and wait patiently for Him. And then he closes that whole section in verse 11 and says, you know, But the meek will inherit the earth and enjoy great peace. So in Psalm 37, it makes it very clear that when, uh, why and when will the meek be able to inherit the earth? Because they are trusting God. They are not allowing the world to run their lives, but they are able to be relaxed, they are in control, they know how to behave themselves, because they are not worried, they are not fretting like the evildoers who do not get their way. So let's look now at a few examples in scripture, for a few individuals who would exemplify what meekness is all about, so that we understand this meaning of meekness. Number one would be Abraham would be Abraham. Remember when God told Abraham to leave Ur of the Chaldees and go to the place that he would show him. His nephew Lot went along with him also. And then there was quarreling between his servants and Lord's servants. And as a result, you know, Abraham said, hey, look here, let's settle this matter. You now you take whichever area you want to and I will take the rest. Now, Abraham was the elder person. He could have said, look here, you know, I want my share first and then you pick up whatever you want to. But no, Abraham knew that his own inheritance was secure in the Lord. He trusted God and he was aware that no decision on the part of his nephew would ever rob him of anything that God had in store for him. So as a result, in that sense, he inherited the earth. That was meekness. He did not throw his weight around. He did not say, this is my right but you are willing to trust God and allow Him to work it out. As a result, He benefited. Secondly, we look at Joseph. Joseph, you remember, was sold by his brothers. Okay, you know, They threw him into the pit and then they sold him and then he was in prison and then finally the Lord you know, elevated him to the second position in Egypt. And when his brothers come to meet him, the brothers are all worried whether now that they have identified that this is their brother Joseph, whether Joseph will take revenge. He had the power, isn't it? He had the power to say, look, I'm not going to give it to you because you do not you know, look after me well. But no, he trusted God. And the scripture tells very clearly, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So even though he had the power to do wrong, even though he had the power to hurt them, he did not do it. In fact, you know, he went overboard in helping them. That's what meekness is all about. Or think of David for that matter. David was anointed as king even though Saul was still around and he had to wait for Saul's death before he would be made king. And during that period, you know, you notice that Saul was constantly 
hunting for him so that he would kill him, so that he would not become the king. But in all these processes, there are times when he was so close to, you know, killing him, when he had the opportunity to kill uh, Saul, David said, no, how can I do this against the Lord's anointed? He had the opportunity, but he did not do it. That is what power under control is all about. David used his authority to build up people, whereas Saul used his authority to build up his own authority. The meekest man in all the earth, they find in Numbers, you know, chapter 12 and verse uh, 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men who were upon the face of the earth. And the context of this passage is where you know, Moses has married this Cushite woman and uh, his own sister Miriam is upset and she says, you know, Do you think only God can speak to you through you alone? And as a result, you know, there was jealousy that crept in. Moses at this point of time does not say a word. He allows God to deal with that situation. And you find what happened to uh, now Moses, uh, to Miriam, she had leprosy and then uh, now Moses prayed so that she would be healed. So God says, here's a person who, with whom I'm able to speak face to face. Here's a person who is the meekest person in all the earth. So meekness of this sort will take off its shoes before the burning bush, yet will obey God by walking up to the mightiest ruler of that day and demand, the Lord says, let my people go. So on one side, he had that strength to go before Pharaoh and say, this is what the Lord says. But on the other hand, when it came to his own sister being upset with him, he did not throw his weight around, but he trusted God to handle that situation. Of course, fifthly, you have the classic example of Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think of it as robbery to hold on to that, but he became a man. He humbled himself, and the Bible says because of that, the Lord, you know, uh, God also raised him up, you know, so that he would be now seated at the right hand of God. Jesus was the meekest individual. The scripture tells us when they hurled insults at him, when they cursed him before, you know, his crucifixion, the Bible says he did not say a word. This is why Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11 and verse 29, He says, come to me, come to me, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart. He says, learn meekness from me. Look at the life of Jesus and see how he had power and strength under control. He was not a weak individual, but he had definitely power in control. Augustine puts it across this way, he says, Christ does not bid us to learn of him to work miracles, to open the eyes of the blind, to raise the dead, but he would have us learn of him to be meek. Okay? If we do not imitate his life, we cannot be saved by his death. Jesus says, come and learn of me. He did not say, come follow me and look at all the miracles and do the same miracles. He says, no, come follow me, learn of me, learn meekness. Okay. Now, fifthly, let's look at uh, now, how can we know if you are meek? Okay. How can you know if you are weak? A simple test to find out whether we are truly meek or not is whether we can say 
we are not when we can say we are poor sinners, but rather what we do when someone else calls us wild sinners. Let me put that again. So the test as to whether we are truly meek is not whether we can say we are poor sinners, but rather what we do when someone else calls us wild sinners. Now, it could be possible to say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. You acknowledge before God. When, when somebody calls you a sinner, how do you react to that? Do you, are you willing to accept that same truth that you told before God, or do you get upset with it? So, let's look at some areas in which we can check up, you know, some questions that we can ask to verify whether this turn up beatitude, which the Lord says, blessed are the meek, you know, whether this approval of God on our lives as meekness is there. Number one, what is your attitude toward the circumstances of life? What is your attitude toward the circumstances of life? The passage in Psalm 37, which speaks about the meek will inherit the earth. The context again is there is when the psalmist was going through a lot of trouble. When the psalmist was going through a lot of you know, problems in his life. It says, and then the opening was, do not fret. And in verse 8 again it says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. Here the psalmist was going through the situation of the wicked people around him and he was upset. But the psalmist says, do not fret, trust in God. And then finally it ends with the meek shall inherit the earth. So the attitude that we have to the tough circumstances or the negative circumstances of our life will determine whether we are meek or not. Secondly, what is your attitude to God's word? What is your attitude to God's word? James chapter 1 and verse 21 tells us, Receive with meekness the engrafted word of God. Receive with meekness. And James 1.19 also says, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So this is what God's word is telling us. He's saying, you know, be quick to listen, receive with meekness the engrafted word. So what is your attitude to God's word. When God speaks to us through his word and tells us what is wrong, when God speaks to us through his word and, and tells us what corrections need to be made in our lives, what is our response? When Samuel gave the message of God to uh, <coughs> Saul and, and he said, hey, you have done wrong, it took a while for Saul to accept the fact that yes, he had sinned. And finally, even when he admits that he has sinned, he still says, please honor me before the people. On the other hand, when David was confronted with Nathan and says, you are the man, immediately he was willing to respond in repentance. And Psalm 51 is a result of that. That is why we would say David was also a meek individual, a person who was after God's own heart. Number three, what is your attitude toward fellow Christians who sin? What is your attitude to fellow Christians who sin. <laughs> when you heard about and when you hear about some individual who has fallen into sin, what is your response? Do you receive this news gleefully and start to spread it to people? Are you pleased that they have sinned because their fall makes your walk look better? If that's the case, then that's not meekness. The scripture tells us in, James, in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore the person gently. Restore the person gently. Not with a high-handed attitude, because it says watch yourself, or you also 
may be tempted. So the attitude toward a fellow Christian who sins, willing to come alongside and help that person to come out of it, shows meekness. Whereas on the other hand, if you are happy that that person has fallen into sin because of all that person did to you, then all whether it's fallen into sin or fallen into some calamity also. What is your response towards that? Number four, what is your attitude toward division in the church? What is your attitude toward division in the church? Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 to 3 tells us, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Okay? Be humble and gentle by making sure that you are working on keeping the unity. Christians who exercise meekness are not interested in taking sides. If you are a meek individual, you are working on building up unity. Whereas if you are not a meek individual, you take sides, you have your own group and you divide the group. That is not meekness at all. Remember, that's what Abraham did, isn't it? When it came to Lot, he says, let's not have any quarreling between me and you, for we are brothers. That's meekness. Number five, what is your attitude to those who disagree with you? Okay, what is your attitude to those who disagree with you? I'm sure... There will definitely be individuals you know, whom, with whom you disagree. We don't agree with everybody. But what is your attitude? Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 and 25 tells us, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. Also in verse 27 of chapter 2, Second Timothy writes, The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, good at teaching, slow to take offense, one who can reduce his opponents by the mildness of his manners. All these words are speaking about meekness. An individual who is meek is able to, you know, get the individual who is disagreeing with him, explaining things to him. And even if they don't agree, the relationship is not broken. The relationship still stands. It is like saying, okay, we agree to disagree. Rather than being angry and saying, if you don't believe the same thing, the same way that I do, then I have nothing to do with you. Remember, it is possible to win arguments and lose friends and also at times lose the individual soul as well. Number six, what is your attitude towards the unsaved? That also will show your meekness. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 tells us, But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason of the hope that is in you, but do this with gentleness, that is with meekness and respect. Here the scripture is telling us, be ready to give an answer for what you believe in. 
He doesn't say that you are a prosecuting attorney saying, hey, if you don't believe, you're going to go to hell. But we are individuals who are witnessing, sharing the faith with them at every opportunity. Because you recognize if it was not for the grace of God, where would you be? And as a result, you are willing to share that grace and love to the person concerned as well. All these attitudes will show whether we are meek or not. Number six, we cultivate meekness in the difficult experiences of life. We cultivate meekness by the difficult experiences of life. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 23 tells us that meekness is not something we manufacture. It is part of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember, fruit is not manufactured. Fruit must be cultivated. So, when we are going through the tough situations in life, the reason for those tough situations is so that there would be meekness that would be formed, so that we would be able to understand how God views us, how God is with us. When things are not going well, we can still trust God. And that enables us for this fruit of the Spirit to be cultivated in our lives. Remember, the Saul of the Old Testament never learned meekness, but the Saul of the New Testament did definitely learn meekness. Let's now look at some practical ways in which we can show meekness. Practical ways. Number one, meekness consists in the bearing of injuries. In the bearing of injuries. In other words, meekness is not easily provoked. It's not easily provoked. Psalm 38 verses 12 and 13. Psalm 38 verses 12 and 13 says, Those who seek my hurt spoke mischievous things. But I, as a deaf man, heard not. There were people who wanted to injure, but response that was given was, did not bother them. As a deaf man, did not take it in, was not affected by it. That is what meekness is, in the bearing up of injuries. Now, there are four things opposite to meekness. Meekness is uh, opposed to anger. Meekness is opposed to anger. Bearing of injuries comes in in this area of opposition to anger. When there is somebody else in a hurt you, wronged you, injured you, you are not getting angry with it. As Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 9 tells us, Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Meekness and anger do not go together, the wrong anger. Secondly, meekness is opposed to malice. Meekness is opposed to malice. Malice is thinking, planning evil. Meekness does not say, hey, he did this to me, so I'm going to plan what evil I can do to him in return to even the score. Meekness does not do that. Thirdly, meekness is opposed to revenge. Meekness is opposed to revenge. Not just the thought, but also the execution of it. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 19, it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Avenge not yourselves. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11. Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11 says, It is the glory of a man to pass over a transgression. To pass over a transgression. It is more honor to bury an injury than to take revenge on it. That is what meekness is all about. Strength in control. Not easy on your own, but remember, this is the fruit of the Spirit. Fourthly, meekness is opposed to evil speaking. 
you may say, oh, I have not done anything, I have not thought about it, and I'm thinking evil, but I'm going to speak evil. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31 says, let all evil speaking be put away. Let all evil speaking be put away. So when somebody has done wrong and injured you, you are not going to be angry, you are not going to think evil, you are not going to work on what revenge, neither are you going to speak evil against that individual. Now that is what meekness is all about. So on the other hand, what do you do? Meekness is forgiving of injuries. You don't bear up the, you know, bear the injuries, but you forgive the injuries. Mark chapter 11 and verse 25 tells us, when you stand praying, forgive. When you stand praying, forgive. A meek spirit is a forgiving spirit. But the forgiveness must be three parts. It must be real, it must be full, and it must be often. In other words, it must be from our heart. Not to say, oh, somebody has said I must give forgiveness, so I'm giving it. It must be from our heart. It must be real. It must be full. And it is also should be as often as the other person does it to you. Forgiveness is not restricted to the number. Forgiveness is restricted to the attitude which says, since God in Christ has forgiven me, I'm not going to hold it against this individual. I'm going to forgive this person. That is what meekness is. But meekness is also going one step further. Number C, meekness is in recompensing good for evil. Not only are you not going to do wrong, not only are you going to forgive that individual, but you're also going to work on doing something good for that person. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5 and verse 44 says, Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who despitefully use you. Three aspects are mentioned. Love. How do you love? By doing good. And then you're saying, maybe you cannot have an opportunity at that time to do something good. Wait for that opportunity till such time. Pray for that individual. That is what doing good as a opposition to doing evil is all about. So this is what meekness is, not harboring the injury, but willing to forgive that individual. But also going that step further and saying, I'm going to not hold it in my heart. I'm going to pray for this individual, love this individual and look for opportunities to do good. If we have this, then the scripture tells us you will inherit the earth. Okay, That's the reward that is mentioned. You will inherit the earth. The word inherit, okay, in uh, Greek means to receive a share of an inheritance or to inherit a portion of property or to receive a possession as gift from someone who has died. That's what an inheritance is. As long as you're alive, you cannot get that inheritance. Remember, the prodigal son came up to the father and says, give me the share of my inheritance. What did he mean? For me, I consider you as dead, so give me my inheritance. Because you get the inheritance only after a person dies. So you inherit something because somebody dies and leaves a bequest to you in their will. In this case, when the Bible speaks about the meek shall inherit the earth, it is we who die die to self, 
that we might grow in meekness. And as we grow in meekness, we share the rich inheritance that we have in Christ. So if inheritance comes because of a person who has died, here how do we get that inheritance when we die to ourselves? Because when we looked at what meekness is all about, it is not something that comes naturally. It goes against the strain. It goes against our nature. But when Christ is in us and we are willing to give ourselves to him and exhibit the meekness that Christ wants to exhibit through our lives, then we receive the promise. What is this inheritance? There are two aspects. One, it is a future inheritance. The time is coming when we shall be co-heirs with Christ and will reign with him in his earthly kingdom. We shall inherit the earth, we shall also judge the earth, the Bible tells us, okay? Now, this is something far beyond our wildest dreams, isn't it? Here you may not have a piece of land on your name, but the scripture tells us when Christ comes back in his kingdom, you and I will reign together. We will be the ones who will judge the earth. And that is the promise that God says will happen if We are willing to die to ourselves now, not think of ourselves and say, this is my life, this is my, you know, my situation, I don't want anything of anybody else to have anything to wait, you know, and we try and trample people over, not have the right behavior, no inheritance. But if we are willing to be the gentle people, individuals who die to ourselves and our rights, then the Lord says, this is what I have planned for you for the future. Also, secondly, there is also the consideration of a present inheritance. The present inheritance. Remember, the people of this world are never satisfied with what they have, isn't it? It's always a question of just a little bit more, okay? You have so much, not satisfied, I want something more. You have this particular product, you are not satisfied. You want a different product, a better product. It is a constant desire for something more and more and more and more. But it is the meek who own the earth now. Why? Because they are free from that tyranny of just a little more. Because you are not considering, hey, this is mine. You are saying, this belongs to God. God is the one who has given it to me. And as a result, you are no longer controlled by the passions of the world for just a little bit more. But you are able to say, Lord, you are the one who is in charge. You are the one who has assured me. And as a result, you are content and satisfied with what you have. The meek man is the man who is satisfied and therefore is definitely content with what he has. So when you are meek, you seek nothing for yourself. And when you seek nothing for yourself, God gives you all things. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, isn't it? You seek first his kingdom. If you are his kingdom is what your desire is, then the Lord says, I will give everything else also, all that you need. But if your life is always revolving about just a little bit more, then you do not receive that inheritance even here. Think of Saul, for example. His self-seeking cost him his crown. Because he was thinking about what he can get for himself. But David, he submitted himself to God, trusted God in the due time that God will make him king. And as a result, he did receive the kingship. After some time, the entire nation, both of the Israel as well as Judah, both came together. So you inherit something because somebody dies and has left you in this will. And it is uh, we who die to self. 
So, today there's a need for more gentle Christians, isn't it? More gentle men and gentle women, okay? Individuals who by their behavior would show to the world what Christianity is all about. We need to rise above superficial Christianity. And none of us must imagine that because we have good manners and display the proper social conventions, we are fulfilling the meekness that is spoken of in this particular beatitude. I hope you know, this would have helped you to understand what this meekness is all about. It is not just a good behavior. It is a behavior because of Christ living in us, not living for ourselves, dying for ourselves. And the Lord says then, yes, I will give you the kingdom.